It's time to play the game. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. You think it might be Libby, but no. It's Ron. It's Jay here on Sports Ball Grinder. It's time to talk some Final Four. You know, we're not going to talk about last week's picks because accuracy is completely overrated in sports picking. But uh, it's not the Final Four we wanted, Ron, but it's the Final Four we get, in, at least in the men's bracket. I think the women's bracket, we were, we were much more on, on par with what's going on. But yeah. Yeah, we were much more accurate with the women's bracket, but the men's bracket, despite some really surprising injuries and, mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff, ended up just humiliating us. Except for the one person who got St. Peter's going to the Elite Eight on this podcast. Yep, you did nail that. Uh, peacock pride all the way through. Uh, good for you. But uh, yeah, we'll get to the men's bracket in a bit. We're going to start with the ladies tonight because they do kick off the Final Four, and then uh, we'll go right through their championship game. So, ladies' Final Four will be Friday. Uh, night so we're recording this on thursday so by chance you catch us thursday night awesome but you may be listening to us day of games that's cool uh, we'll pick right through sunday's championship game and then we'll talk about saturday night's men's final four and then the monday men's championship game and wrap up college basketball season but before we do that ron it's also another big thing this weekend you're gonna get a double shows here this weekend kind of close together here from sports ball grinder i'm gonna have brian on we're gonna do picks mania it's wrestlemania time and nice. uh yeah so we're gonna do that and then if all things work out correctly next week we're gonna have a special guest on who will have been live at the scene two nights of wrestlemania to give us the fans perspective from the stands hopefully that'll uh, that'll work out so, I know exactly who that is, and I really hope that works out because that, that would be amazing. Yes, yeah. We, we have conversed and have made tentative plans, so mid-next week you'll get a little WrestleMania review, if you will. But we'll get into some of that. But, yeah, it's Mania time, and I, you know it's neat that that's going up against the uh, the Final Four here. Uh, but Vince uh, doesn't care, and neither does NBC Universal, so we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, lots of lots of sporting going on this weekend and uh, tons of fun. And, I mean, just when you think the NFL is not going to do anything crazy, Bruce Arians retires out of nowhere. Which which was insane. <laughs> and apparently that's been the plan all along. He was going to retire anyway after next year, and he decided, yeah, let's go and do it now. Uh, but, uh, you know, good on him. He's one of those guys that has promoted, you know, not only minority hiring, but a lot of diversity hiring and, and doing things – purposefully but not just for tokenism for the right way so i, I applaud him uh, you know good for him and i hope there's nothing serious going on now, there's a lot of health rumors you know when that kind of stuff happens suddenly but uh, apparently yeah, he's and, just gonna and, hang out yeah and you can't argue with his results that he's getting with his hiring practices cause, oh because that team is totally turned around and you can't argue with anybody wanting to retire in florida it's like arizona oh. if there was water Right, yeah, and and better tax situation. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And look, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're in the best shape they've been as a franchise. So, uh, you know, hats off to Bruce and uh, gang. And, uh, you know, I guess Tom's going to make one more. I don't know, Tom Tom Brady's going to like be crumpled into dust at this point on a football field uh, before he retires. But you know who else is retiring? Mike Krzyzewski is done after this weekend. Uh, the, the rat-faced Kremlin is out of our lives, Ron. <laughs> oh man, thank goodness for that. Because if I had to look at that weasel face and that terrible wig one more time, you know what's going to suck is he's going to be on like NBC or CBS or he's going to be somewhere. He would, he be yeah, he's going to be a talking head. It's going to be even worse because now uh, he'll just be inescapable everywhere, showing up on Sports Center, ruining my good time. 
I know, right? Well, you know, but at least you won't be on the sidelines uh, stalking. But we'll get to him in a bit. Let's talk about the women's Final Four and title game. But I want to do some notes real quick on how we got here with these teams. Three of the four teams are number one seeds for the fifth consecutive tournament. I, I think tournament seeding in the women's bracket has been a lot more accurate through the years. And uh, Stanford's the defending champs coming back. Got Haley Jones, Cameron Brink. Uh, leading the way. I mean, you know, they they took a little stumble earlier in the year, but they've been tearing it up. South Carolina, the wire-to-wire number one team. You got the nation's best player, Aliyah Boston. I mean, she is a beast on the court, man. She do everything. Like, she is something to watch. UConn, check this out. 14 straight years in the Final Four. 14 straight years. That's I mean, it's not surprising. There was one year where, like, UConn, nobody got within, like, 80 points of them or so. There were 50 points of them one year until the final game. It was insane. Uh, Paige Buchers is kind of their leading person this year, but they're always loaded with talent. And then Louisville's making their fourth trip to the Final Four. They're kind of the the nouveau uh, blood, if you will. They missed it last year, but they got uh, Haley Van Lith leading the way. And, uh, you know, they're an exciting team as well. So, I mean, we really are covering the you – know, I mean, it's interesting how the country is covered. you got Stanford from you know Palo Alto, UConn from way up in the Northeast, and then you got the two Southeastern teams. And, yeah, you know, the, the Midwest got cut out of the ladies' uh, Final Four. Well, not without uh, a good effort by, you know, uh, Dakota State and mm-hmm. and uh, a few other teams. But, yeah, it's, it's weird how chalked the women's tournament seems to be these – just in general, you don't get a lot of upsets. It feels like it feels like there's not as much parity in women's basketball, which is probably true. But yeah. I also feel like you've got uh, the the cream also tends to rise more to the top, even in the one game tournament. You, 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 there's not as much. Um, there, there seems to be less shenanigans and less uh, less crazy results. Yeah, I mean, especially this year in the men's tournament. I mean, we, we'll talk about it when we get on their side of it. There are a lot of upsets, and, and Chalk did not hold. But men's tournament, I, you know, they haven't seeded the women's tournament this deep before either. This is only like the, I think, the second year they've gone like this. And so I, I think it is a little easier to sort of pick out the best teams. Um, and, and look, these programs have been around for a while. I mean, UConn has been the standard forever. Stanford's been great for a long time. South Carolina has really come on and Louisville's come on in the last several years as a, as good programs, but they've taken next steps too. And, uh, you know, they knocked off good teams. Kentucky was good this year on the women's side. They've been good for a while. Tennessee has been, you know, a, a standard bearer for years. They were in this thing too. So, um, and then you got, you know, you got upstarts like NC state and you know, there's other teams that really played well. Indiana was good. So, there's some good, again, good basketball, and the Final Four is going to be on Friday night, April Fool's Day. Look, turn off Twitter because you you're going to get you're going to get fooled. Don't don't get don't get suckered. Watch some good b ball, and we're going to start with the 7 p.m. game. That's 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, South Carolina taking on Louisville again, the wire to wire number one versus the you know team that's is kind of the nouveau riche, if you will, but still a quality basketball team. What do you think? Who who you like in this one? Where where are you leaning on the matchup? Louisville has been knocking on the door of winning a national championship, it seems like, for the past five or six years. They've just rolled out quality squad after quality squad after quality squad, and they just can't seem to get over the hump. They just can't seem to get that uh, to cut down those nets. And that, that and that is evidence as to how hard it is to win a championship in any sport, let alone uh, a sport like basketball, where, you know, the refs can literally change a game with a whistle. Yes. Um. 
but I feel like this is not going to be U of L's year. South Carolina has just been too good all year long. And while I, I, while I'm not a Louisville fan, I also don't root for non non Kentucky SEC teams. I'm not one of the conference over team people. Yeah. So uh, this is not necessarily this is not a homer pick, and this is not a U of L hater pick, which people will say. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm going to go with South Carolina. I just feel like they've just been too strong all year. My thing with South Carolina, man, is that defense. Up until the last couple of games, nobody could put any points on them. And I think now that they've just faced better competition, that, you know, there's going to be points. Louisville's going to score on them. But South Carolina has responded well when, when North Carolina started shooting on them. And they just held, hung in there. And, again, they've, they've got such depth. They've got a great bench. And, again, uh, Eli Boston is just, again, she's just such a force. I, I don't – I just don't think Louisville can shoot around the South Carolina defense enough. And then South Carolina produces points all over the court. They move the ball well. I mean, I've, I've seen them run some of that, like, Bell Army stuff where they're just passing the ball. There's nobody hitting the ground. You know, there's, there's no pants, no bounces at all. They, they are um, they are just a machine to watch, and I don't think it's going to stop uh, here. Um, so I, I'm going Gamecocks in this one. I I. I think Louisville will, will have a good showing, but in the end, I won't be surprised if South Carolina didn't beat them by you know five to eight. Yeah, I, I can't uh, I can't disagree with your assessment there. I do love that kind of system that South Carolina runs. I love the the pass and cut. Not I, I love the pass and cut offense. I don't like the the you know dribble the air out of the ball and hook a twenty five footer up uh, sort of offense you can see, and I don't like the ISO ball as much. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is why last week or whenever it was, I sent you a link to uh, a nice discussion with uh, Bellerman mm-hmm. University coach Scott Davenport, who runs a very similar old school offense like to South Carolina, where they do the the army kind of zag. So um, yeah, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of motion, a lot of passing, and moving the ball around, a lot of cuts, screens, things like that. I read something the other day that like the amount of screens in both tournaments was just astronomical this year. It was off the charts of, of how many screens were getting thrown in games, and so yeah, I I can see that one. We we both like South Carolina in this. The night, the late night game is really intriguing to me. Stanford, the Cardinal taking on the Huskies from UConn. That's your nine thirty p.m. game to follow the Carolina Louisville game. I gotta be honest, man. Like I, I'm torn on this one. I, I really am. I, I think either team could legitimately get the win. I, I, I've been leaning Stanford all week, just thinking about this. But the more I dig into it, Ron, I'll be honest, man. I, I kind of like UConn. I, I, there's something about the way that they've pulled it together late in the season here, gotten on a hot run. Again, they're playing great defense. They're they're really smart on offense. I Stanford's the defending champs, but that's not the same team altogether from last year. I I'm going to go ahead and pick the Huskies. I, I think they get it done, but it's going to be close. As a as a fan of a team who won back to back championships uh, in USL soccer in the Louisville City FC, and who got to the final game in the third for the third year after that, there's nothing harder than going back to back. And there's no sport where it's harder to go back to back than basketball. Just think of how rare of an achievement that's been at the college level specifically. Yeah. And like you said, this is not 
last year's Stanford team. This is a different team. Mm-hmm. And this is not the UConn squad that it was in the beginning of the season. This is a team that's getting hot at the right time. So I hate to just keep agreeing with you, but I'm going to go with uh, the Huskies again as much as it pains me because I just feel like they're hitting their stride at the exact right time to carry this to carry this thing further. All right, so we both like South Carolina. We both like UConn. I tell you what, let's hold on the championship game for Sunday, and we'll come back and do that one after we pick the the semifinals for the men's game. How about that? We'll we'll wait until until we get it all together for the finals. Uh, but we both like um, South Carolina and UConn to come out of this game. It's going to be well, I, really any combo of finals is great, but I think South Carolina UConn is going to be a, a real real fun game. Uh, to come up on Sunday, April the 3rd. So let's flip over to the men's bracket. I mean, again, it's uh, after all the upsets and drama, we still got four blue bloods of basketball for the title. And people go like, is Villanova blue blood? I'm like, yes, yes, they are. They've, they've won a lot in the last 15 years. They've been in the title games. They've been in the runs. They're there. And we got to talk about these teams and, and where they come from. Duke, again, loaded with stars. They're 13-2 and two in their last 15. One of those losses to the team they're going to be playing. We'll talk about that on the retirement tour of Coach Ratface. But Paulo Boncaro, man, that dude, when he's hot, he is he's something to watch. And he's 6'10, 250, Rod. I don't know if you do. He was an all-star high school quarterback, too. I, I went and dug up some of his tape. Like there were people really trying to get him. I can see why. He probably made the right choice to play basketball, but holy cow, I, I can only imagine what that dude throwing a ball like for Oregon or something would have looked like. Holy smokes. Uh, but yeah, you got Mark Williams, AJ Griffin. They're all part of that hot run. When they get hot, man, when Duke is, is flying up and down the court, you can't hang with them. Like you just, nobody can touch them. And you saw it when, when they got hot here in, in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight. They started moving people. They've gone to battle. They've lost games this year. They've been in overtime. This is not a bad Duke squad, even though it's full of a lot of one-and-dones. Uh, but they are they are legit, even as much as you and I both hate them, uh, for good reason. <laughs> they it, you, can't, you can't knock the resume. They are a pretty stout team. And nobody has pivoted to embrace the one-and-dones as – well as Coach K when he finally decided it was time to stop fighting the trend and to start chasing the talent. As yeah. much as as much as you hate to say it, he's completely he's completely retooled how Duke does things in order to capitalize on this. But hopefully, you know, uh, we'll see who takes who, we'll see who they get to take over that team uh, when he steps down. Yeah, I'll, I'll be so- really curious to see who it goes to. I am too. I, I don't know that they've made any real announcements on that yet, but I'm I'm curious to know. It might be somebody like what North Carolina did going in internally or you know, with somebody from the tree, because that's what he we'll get to Hubert Davis in a minute. The the lone one seed in in the finals here for uh, for the men, Kansas. The Bill Self survives uh, you know, all sorts of things. FBI wiretaps, NCAA investigations, whatever. Uh, but he's got Justin Moore, Remy Martin, uh Ochaya Baji. I mean, that rock chalk machine is it's not bad. And look, it's been great defense down the stretch. They put teams in bad places. They force their game. They they don't shoot from the outside. They don't try to drain a bunch of threes. That's a team that's going to put the ball on the court. They're going to get the mid-range jumper. They're going to go inside. And when they when they get their bigs working, man, you can't stop them. And they're so good on the boards. Like it, There's a good fundamental basketball team, and no surprise that they were able to run through it and get through the tournament. Yeah, I look forward to seeing if – 
this Final Four run is still here in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it'll all find also that out true. together. Yeah, also true. Most likely to have it erased of the four is this team. But, you know, but even so, Self like has like the contract that like they can even fire him for a level one violation. Like that's how bought in they are. So, I mean, that's the, I mean, if you're Kansas, would you care? No, no, and look, if you're Kansas, you're also doing the thing of like, we're not cooperating. Come do it. You have a subpoena power NCAA. So good luck. Also, it takes the NCAA years, as Memphis is now finding out. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason for anyone to co- to cooperate with the NCAA investigation. And as what happened to UofL has proven, there's absolutely no reason to impose penalties on yourself before they do it. No, nope. it, it does not make a lick. Of, it does not make a difference. It doesn't. Well, it did. It did help Auburn a little bit. I will say that, like the the self imposed ban and the scholarship reductions and stuff, kept Auburn from getting in hotter trouble for the Chuck Person situation. But uh, you know. It is what it is. Much to Pat Forty's chagrin, I should say. Uh, but yeah, Kansas. Look, they look. They were one for a reason. They were a one seat for a reason. They're, and they look. They've got as good a chance as anybody to win this tournament. Um, we're gonna talk about Duke's opponent, though. Their in-state rival. May, I did not realize how close the Duke UNC record was. As long as Coach K's been there, it's like fifty to forty-nine. <laughs> like this is the hundredth meeting. It's the only time they've met in the tournament. And they meet in the final four. Hubert Davis in his first year, they're rocky early on, man. Like they're getting blown off the court. I think mm-hmm. Kentucky smoked them. Like oh, yeah. they, they, they looked bad, but he just kept going in and he didn't try to tough love them or any of that stuff. He just kept being the same guy. I like Hubert Davis a lot as a class dude. And look, he got Caleb Love and RJ Davis and Leaky Black floating all around the court and they attack from the perimeter. And the problem for North Carolina is their depth. Like, it's really the five guys, and then yeah. there may be one dude off the bench, but they they got guys that are going to have to play Iron Man basketball to get it done. But they're not above getting it done. They, they've they won games where I, I counted them out a while back, and they the Tar Heels are still standing strong. Yeah, they're one through five are clearly as good as anybody in the country. They're six through 12 uh, may as well not show up. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have a six through twelve. That's the that's part of the problem, well, which is weird. Right. You know, they're one through six are probably good. Their <laughs> their seventh is the equipment manager, and their twelfth is the mascot. Right? Yeah, they, they got they got strapped from Hoosiers down there. You know, <laughs> they might have to go in and granny shot a, a free throw and so but Which is weird because Carolina usually pulls guys, but they're kind of in that lull. You know, when everybody knew Roy Williams was leaving, and they you know with the way college basketball recruiting is these days, they they hit a snag, but. Uh, no doubt they're going to be right back in it because I've seen their recruiting class coming in. Yeah. They're they're going to be stout. Um, and again, I like Hubert Davis. It, it, that's a team that again, if they're hot and they're healthy, they are as dangerous as anyone. And let's not forget, they were getting whipped at halftime of the Coach K send off, and they came back out with five guys who did not rotate out in the second half and blew the Blue Devils off the court. So they they got no quarter at all. Which was inc- which was really impressive to watch because that is that was some exhausting <laughs> basketball to watch. Let alone, to, I can't even imagine having to play it. Yeah, I, th- those guys really that was impressive. It's probably that that really propelled them, I think, into this tournament because they didn't do great in the ACC tournament. But nobody cares, you know. They, they knew where they were at that point. But the question is, can they do it again? Because it's it's going to be that kind of game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know about the game. We'll get to the game in just a sec. But yeah, that's going to be a running up and down the court game. And then lastly, Villanova. Uh, look, the thing about Villanova is the injuries are starting to pile up. They already lost Colin Gillespie. Now, Justin Moore went down with the, the Achilles injury. That's major for them. 
they're going to have to have some serious young guys, Brian Antoine, Chris Archidato, to, to get it done. They've got the hardest road of the four by far to get to the end. No doubt they've got the bona fides to be there. They've been a great basketball team all year. But I, to me, man, I am so concerned about their injuries. And it's not that their depth's not any good. It's just you can't keep losing starters in basketball. And and win. You're not these. It's not Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and teams like that in football that just roll like sharks' teeth forward. Basketball, you ain't got that many guys. In basketball, there's a lot. There's a lot more limited supply of guys for sure. Yeah, and and I feel like uh, th- that these injuries could not have come at a worse time, especially the Achilles, because he's such an important part of their team and he's such an important part of their offense. And. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to throw some guys into the Sharks to to even have a shot at this. Yeah. I, I mean, they are. <laughs> and it's a big, big ask. <laughs> that is a real big ask. And let's go ahead and get to it because they are the opening game on Saturday night. It's Villanova, Kansas. That's the 6.09 p.m. I don't know why we have these weird start times with the men's games, but I guess it's because they're on TBS, but whatever. Uh, it's like It's like, is Eric Bischoff booking this? thing but anyway no dusty uh, Ro- dusty Rhodes is clearly booking this thing well if dusty was booking it it would all end in a draw so it's clearly not bo- dusty booking for television but uh but yeah villanova kansas i'm just gonna say it straight up man if villanova had justin moore still i, I would pick him i think they could they could do it but not without him not without gillespie i i don't think they can get around kansas who's who again doesn't doesn't play stupid basketball. They don't start jacking up threes when they get down on people. They're just like, hold on a minute, just slow down. And then when they started going bigs on people, it was over. I mean, it was it was just quick. And they've got some big dudes. I I like Kansas in this one. I I think they're they're probably going to run away with it a little bit. They're going to blow them out, but I think Kansas wins pretty pretty handily here because I just don't think Villanova's got the horses to hang. The timing of of this injury is so bad for Villanova. Like this is the time when you need when you need your players the most. And I, I can't argue with you. Kansas is just too big. Kansas is too deep. Kansas plays too smart. Even if you had an, even if Villanova tried to get into a, uh, a pushy emotional game, get fired up there. This is the team that's not going to fall for it. This is a team where you can't bully ball. You can't shake them off of their game. You know, they got, they got beaten handily by Kentucky earlier this year and did that which was a, a the kind of loss that can spiral some teams just straight out of the tournament and you know or at least from a number one seed to like a number four seed and and what happened to them they shook the dust off they got back up and they just kept going back to doing their thing and I can't not uh, I gotta go with Kansas here too Look, it's the rogues have run into the Gramercy Rifts here in this one, and ain't nobody backing down. But the Rifts are just stronger. That's all. And Kansas is definitely the Rifts in this analogy. So I, I'm I'm taking them out. Uh, and if you don't know what that's from, kids, go watch the Warriors because <laughs> Walter Hill rules. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I like Kansas here. We all like Kansas in this one. Uh, but boy, it, it would be fun to see if it was like Villanova from two games ago or something. But that, that that would be a real game then, but this yeah, is, yeah. Well, it's going to be rough. It's the main event, whether we wanted it or not. Darn it, <laughs> we're going to get it. North Carolina Duke, eight forty nine p.m. 
it's it is as if someone is booking this. Let's put aside conspiracy theory for a minute, though. It it almost sets up too perfect. So so break it down for me. We've already both said this is going to be forty minutes of hell basketball up and down the court. What what do you like here? Where you like the matchups and who you picking? Well, I have to say, in terms of the matchups, this just shows how well protected Duke and North Carolina have been in the. 20th century or the 21st century. Kentucky has played U of L three times in final fours. Kentucky mm-hmm. and U of L meet in big games all throughout the tournament. And they've done it every time because they don't keep, they don't give that rivalry, which is probably the second best rivalry in college basketball after Duke, North Carolina, but we don't get the press. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that as a Homer find two fan bases that hate each other no, this much. No. Oh, I would agree. Yeah, that one's right up there. Yeah. That have had the sorts of crazy games that those two have and that have this history of running in each other in the postseason. I feel like postseason basketball is a completely different animal from regular season basketball. I feel like that coach, the Coach K retirement tour, uh, wig snapping, wig snatching, excuse me, (laughs) that happened is just going to add fuel to the fire that is Duke. And I'm concerned that. North Carolina, like we've talked about, they don't have the depth to keep up with Duke. Duke is just blue-chip horses ready to run. And I feel like North Carolina is going to give it a fight. North Carolina is going to make it a a real tough game at times. But that depth is just going to be too much. Duke's speed is the big concern because you can run the legs off of a team that's not deep doing that i've seen them do it in this tournament they did it when they got hot in the season too and they finally got their stuff straightened out but in this tournament in particular when they get those guys moving and there's some big dudes that are moving there i mean it's some sweet motion to watch it's Mm -hmm. a real neat offensive set and defensively they switch so fast you cannot get open looks north carolina if they've got anything They've got some trees underneath that they can bang the boards with, that can try to get down underneath with. The problem is there's going to be two Duke guys on them in half a second. Mm-hmm. And I just, to me, Ron, it's the fact that Duke's got seven or eight guys they can roll with, and North Carolina's really got five. I mean, they, they may have six, but they really got five they're going to have to lean on. And it's a long season. It's And no doubt they're going to be up jacked for this one. Big time, but Duke is going to want payback. I feel like I'm watching this, and I know it's it's only three matches of an incredible career, but it's the same as, as these two rivalry. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat in 1989 had a three-match trilogy that's for the ages. Chi-Town Rumble, two out of three in New Orleans that nobody friggin' saw because it was on free TV and TBS, and it's so dark you can barely watch it, and uh, Music City. Uh, in Nashville was the mm-hmm. was the blow off, and as the two of them tell it, it's three matches out of five hundred they had that were better, but nobody saw the five hundred house shows. Those three are for the ages, and when when Steamboat got him the second time, and it was two out of three, everybody was like, "Wow!" It's sort of like what North Carolina beat Duke there. It was like, mm-hmm. "Wow!" I can't believe it. But in the end, the man found a way, and I know it's pro wrestling; it's scripted, whatever. But it was a hell of a physical performance. And I think the 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 analogy works because I think Duke knows that we're we're deeper, we're better. We just got to play our game. 
And Coach K, for all his foibles, and moreover his staff, which really do most of the coaching nowadays, mm-hmm. they're going to have the game plan. He's going to have the motivation right. He's already done the smart thing by not making this about him, even though TV will always make it about him. He, he's told those guys, go do it. And three or four times in the tournament, they've come to him and said, let's do this. And he said, go for it. And they went and ran it. And so he he trusts his guys. Turning them loose like that, that's going to make a huge difference. I I just can't pick against Duke in this situation. I've got to pick Duke. I think it's a shootout, but North Carolina's not going to go down easy. But in the end, going to try that one body slam on a bad knee, and it's going to be inside cradle time, and, and let's go Duke to the end. I feel like you hit on something there when you said North Carolina, North Carolina's going to come out hot. My concern is they're going to come out too fired up and wear themselves out. Yep. Because like we've talked about, they're not deep. You can you can snatch only so many minutes of rest with no bench, and like you said, Duke is just going to Duke is just a machine. Duke is just going to keep doing Duke things until you know they get the result that they want. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I can't argue with Duke as much as it makes you want to throw up. <laughs> so we we got Kansas and Duke in the finals here. No matter what, we were going to get some shade of blue in the final four. I don't know what that means, but uh, it's interesting. So <laughs> just something to note there. Let's go to the Sunday night, April the 3rd. This will be the women's finals. We both like South Carolina versus UConn in this one. That's going to be a whale of a matchup, man. Um, I'll throw mine out first. I Look, I've been on the train since we started talking about this. I've really been on the train all year. I think South Carolina's wire-to-wire the best team in the country. I think they just keep proving it over and over. UConn's going to be a whale of a test, but South Carolina's too deep. They're too good. They're on too much of a run, and that defense is insane. I, I like the Gamecocks. I think they I think they win it. I think they win it pretty, pretty convincingly. I don't necessarily think it's going to be as convincing as you do. But I feel like that defense is going to win out in the end, because like you like you talked about, they've just they know that no matter what else happens, they can shut down the other team's offense. They can make it difficult to score. They can slow the game down. They can make it to a. They can make it a grind. They can lock your best players down in half court. And I feel like they're going to do what it, what what it takes. And I feel like that's I feel like this is South Carolina's time, and. UConn will be back here next year with a whole other team of, you know, eight McDonald's All-Americans. Yeah. This is this is going to be South Carolina. The, the funny thing is they both play that defensive lockdown kind of ball, so I wouldn't pick a ton of points in this game if you're, you know, looking at points. Yeah, I, take the I, under. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to it's definitely going to be the under side of this one, but should be some good basketball. We both like the Gamecocks to get it done. The men's final Monday, April the fourth. We like Kansas versus Duke. Both of us are in that one. I'm going to throw it to you first, Kansas Duke man. I mean, look, that's as blue blood as you can get for a men's final. Yeah, the. Second best program of all time versus the Duke Blue Devils. Um, <laughs> it is. It's, oh, man. Now, Kentucky has a history with Kansas. We play them regularly, and we've played them a lot in the postseason and had some fun basketball matches. But oh, gee, I just, can you tell that I'm going to say something that I hate right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel it swirling inside of you there. Yeah, the disgust on my face makes it obvious that I think this is Duke's game to lose, and I don't think they're going to lose it. That team is too good. 
that coaching staff is too good and they are playing for something that is probably going to serve. I don't know if it's going to make a difference to the Duke players or not. Cause you know, who, what do they care about coach Ratface? but it's going to make a difference to Kansas. I think that's something Kansas is going to be thinking about. They're going to be salivating at the chance to give coach K the boot out the door. And I think it's good. And I think it's going to be to their detriment. I can't argue with anything you're saying. Like the, the thing for me, man, is Kansas really has two or three guys that can score. Really two, if you break it down. They got some good defenders. And they they are not going to get pushed out of their game. They're going to play their half-court game, but they're going to get their moments and run down the court on you too. Duke, though, has so much speed. They get back so fast. As I talked about, they switch on defense so quick. Unless they just blow a gasket in some way, and mentally melt down, which I don't know why that would happen now after this. That run is unbelievable. We'll talk about the run forever because they will have gone 15 and two in their last 17 if they pull this off, like we're talking about. And it'll be a run for the ages for a guy who's had an ages career, much as I hate him. I mean, it's not even his best team. That's the amazing part. He's going to go out with like a couple of his other teams would smoke this team. But man, they've just got too many, too many guys that I don't think Kansas can keep up with, particularly Paulo Bonchero. I'm all over that dude. I look, that dude's a, a top three player, in my opinion, coming out of the draft this year. I, and I, I'm not even, I, he might even be top two. I, him and Jabari Smith, like, are neck and neck as far as I'm concerned. Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, I got questions about. He's a big dude, but he's, he's raw as heck. But those two dudes, like, Paulo in particular probably has the highest floor of any of these guys, and the ceiling is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Badly for him, he's going to wind up on a terrible team, <laughs> but maybe they can build around it. Maybe it won't be a bad franchise. It'll be a bad team, but maybe not a bad franchise. I, I like Duke in this one, man. I, honestly, I just think they're just too good, and they've been playing too good a basketball, too hot for too long for me to give up on them now. So I think Duke is going to sh- shoot them their way out of Kansas and and win this one probably by you know four to six. I don't think this one comes down to the foul line or anything. I am curious how the, how the refs will call it because these are teams that will bang each other. And if if they swallow the whistles a little bit and let them play, it can be really entertaining. They start blowing a lot of a lot of air. I'm I'm going to be like, now look, let's not let's not influence the game too much, y'all. Let's just go ahead and eat it and let it go. I feel like if they don't blow the whistles, it'll only help Kansas. No, yeah, look, yeah, that let Kansas bully them a little bit and try to get in their head. But the thing is, his Duke has had people do that to him, and I don't th- like if this Duke team had only lost like twice, I'd be worried. They lost six times. Like they they know what it's like, and they've survived it. They've survived mm-hmm. the worst of it. And again, they they got they got embarrassed their last games. Like they got embarrassed their last game, and then they got embarrassed in their uh, conference tournament, which you can argue they didn't care about. But whatever, you know, they didn't play great. But when they hit this tournament. This is a different gear and a different ball team. So we both like Duke as much as we hate it to hoist the championship. This is going to be one of those, man, like where, where I'm watching, like when the game ends, I'm turning it off immediately because I don't want to see the post game festivities. I don't want to hear none of that. I'm not about that. I just want to see how it ends. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to probably just check the score the next morning. Cause I don't want to, I, I don't even want to accidentally see Ratface celebrating with the trophy. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, I, I mean, they'll they'll ease him up on a ladder to cut some nets down again, I'm sure. But Well, they better be careful. He's old. I know. Well, I don't know if you saw him the last time. It didn't look too good. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, Ron, it's been a blast breaking these down with you. Tell folks how they can follow all your awesome stuff over at Den of Geek and Twitter and all the other cool things that you're doing. Yep, you can read my writing at Den of Geek, and you can hear me talk about movies with Jay and with lots of other cool people on the Filmstrip podcast. 100% check that out. And I'm also the guy who runs most of the Filmstrip Twitter, so you can always reach out to me there at Filmstrip Pod and say hello. Absolutely. All that is linked in the show description, folks. Glad to have you here, Ron, to break down some basketball. We'll definitely have you back on as we get into other parts of the sports season because there is no off season. There's always something to talk about here on the Sports Ball Grinder. Folks, thanks for tuning in. As always, share the show. If you want to follow the show on the Twitter, you follow me. That's at JRan here. And then Follow the Sportsball Grinder. We're on Apple. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. And we are proud members of the Geek Lounge family. Go to geeklounge.com, thegeeklounge.com. Tons of great podcasts there for you to consume. Everything from Filmstrip Podcast, of course, the Sportsball Grinder. You got Tiz the Podcast, the year-round Christmas podcast. You got Totally Rad Christmas, which is the baddest-ass 80s Christmas podcast there is. The Golden Bros, a retrospective on the Golden Girls, and so much more cool stuff to come from Geek Lounge. Glad to be a part of that and glad to have you all here. Stay in the grind. We'll talk to you again soon.